0: Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest.
1: Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Tina Larson. Tina is an entrepreneur, a business analyst, and a networker, and a self-described green queen, originally from Sweden. Uh, She now lives in New York, and she's moved from the hospitality industry to Wall Street, and now to real estate. And Tina, she has her MBA from Pace University and also holds uh, a lead green associate designation, which which I think we're really going to dig into today and some green aspects. So Tina, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: Thank you so much, Kent. And thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you know, there's a lot of benefits to um, just going green, as you say, right? Uh, There's financial, environmental. I'm sure we'll talk through some more. But before we dig into all those details, do tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today.
2: Okay, thank you. So I have worked on Wall Street for, I had at the time for close to 20 years as a business analyst with the sole purpose of investing my client's money in the stock market. But as a general analyst, you learn all kinds of industries so right after the financial crisis when we got a letter from our co-op board and i'm in new york which is why it's a co-op but it could be a condo (laughs) and the legal um, differentiation doesn't really matter for our purposes so we got a letter saying that they were increasing the maintenance by five percent for the 10th year in a row during the financial crisis there was no inflation there is no reason to increase the fees by 5% every single year in a co-op or condo. You might know that all that you have to do to or all that the, the maintenance or common charges have to cover are the expenses. So this means that the expenses were increasing by that amount. So we organized, we spoke with some neighbors and we put together a team and we took over the board. I didn't actually get on the board because my husband is, in both of our opinion, more diplomatic, shall we say. So so he's the board president and he's been the board president now for 10 years. But they asked me to head the finance committee. And in doing so, I did what I know from, from Wall Street. I learned how to analyze whether a cost, one particular cost can be $10,000. In insulation, you don't know if that's a high, is that expensive? Is that cheap? Is that normal? So I did what I know. I gathered data from other buildings and put together comps for mm-hmm. every single expense line item. And then we made some phone calls, we renegotiated some projects and some costs, eliminated some services that were paid for twice to different suppliers or vendors. And we were able to save the building $340,000 in the first three years.
1: That's awesome. Uh,
2: Thank you. Out networking, we know how everybody wants to meet another financial advisor, right? Well, maybe not where you are, Kent, but in New York City, everybody's a financial advisor or real estate agent. So instead of introducing myself as a financial advisor, I introduced myself and I helped my co-op save $340,000. And you wouldn't believe how many people said, can I introduce you to my co-op board? Mm -hmm. And that's when we started our business. We realized that there was a need that the property managers were not fulfilling. And here we are. Seven years later.
1: Gotcha. So you've really come in as a consultant and focused on how do we reduce expenses, giving them data and and kind of understand the programs that are out there to be able to do that.
2: Yes, exactly. And we project manage the entire process of implementing those uh, projects. Mm -hmm. So if let's say that we help them Reduce how much energy they use in their, or how much electricity they use in the basement, in their, in their hallways. We come up with a plan that the board then approves, and then we bring in vendors. We get the proposal, so we basically do that portion, project mm-hmm. manage on a project management basis. That typically the property manager could do, but they are busy with um, all their regular work so that it would actually sure. only be extra work for them
1: sure sure well really interesting so i'm sure you've learned a lot now that you've worked with with many different buildings in different ways and so you know i know we talked about talked a lot about even beforehand kind of the, this idea of green certification and and moving to, to be more green and more environmentally friendly and so i mean i think beyond uh I think we all know we should, I think most of us do at least, we should try to take care of the environment, right? It, it's kind of a, you know, maybe a moral obligation or at least something that we should do for our grandkids. Uh, but beyond beyond that, I mean, what are some of the other reasons that owners should be interested in, say, going green?
2: I mean, think about it. Reducing carbon output or um, eliminating fossil fuels, it's going to reduce the costs if you use half as much electricity or heating fuel you're going to pay half as much as you paying right now right so it's the costs, and then it's the environmental benefit and then it's also on property values because the young generation doesn't want to move into a building where they go down to the basement and the lights are on 24 7 and the statistics are that when you go down to a basement basement that space is typically used by 10% used 10% of the time mm-hmm. so if it's only occupied 10% of the time and the lights are on 24/7 then this younger generation who is very environmentally friendly in general and I'm generalizing of course they're not going to this that's not a good thing you want to market your building as a something that's attractive to buyers mm-hmm. and in doing or renters and in doing right. so you want it to be green
1: yeah the that younger generation must not a uh, my, my kids must be in that next level of younger generation because when i walk around my house every single light in the entire house and basement and everywhere else is on so they haven't they haven't quite got that memo yet <laughs> but uh you know, maybe, maybe maybe they will catch on, but so in all seriousness, you're saying, I mean, I I think we understand the environmental, there's an environmental aspect, right? Which I think, uh, can play, can play, not only is it a good thing to do, but can also play into marketing. So there's a marketing aspect, as you said, right. Attracting folks that are environmentally conscious and showing them that, you know, they may want to live in a building, uh, that is being, um, responsible, being environmentally responsible. Right. And then obviously you have the, the hard dollars, right. You got the cost savings, which will flow down to your NOI, which will improve your, the value of, of your property, which as investors, as as we all are, you know, that's really what, what it's about. Right. And so, so that's great. I, I think, yeah, those are obviously a lot of reasons to, to be focused on, on going green. And so if somebody is like me and says, man, you know, I'm always looking for ways to improve my property, what are some of the ways that I can go about, um, what are some of these initiatives and what are some of the things that I can do to improve?
2: Well, one, one of them is as simple as if you are in a multifamily building between 50 and 200 units, for instance, not limited to, but then if you go down to the basement, it is typically occupied 10% of the time. Um, The LED technology has improved tremendously over the last few years. So even if you switched from 75 watts to let's say 26 watts per fixture a few years ago, now you can switch it down to four watts so there's the led technology which has improved tremendously but Mm -hmm. then the motion sensors have also uh, gotten much better so it used to be they went on sometimes and not sometimes but now the adjustments have that technology has also become much better
3: Mm -hmm.
2: so i mean the in a basement or in hallways We don't, or even in the stairwells, the emergency stairwells, we do not see any reason why uh, buildings should not be on motion sensors and on the newest technology using almost no electricity.
1: Yeah. And is it really, I mean, I I guess I understand watts from how bright a light bulb is standpoint, but if I'm moving from, let's say, just round numbers, 80 to 4 watts, I mean, is that, am I using 20 times less? Power in that light. You bulb. are,
2: you are, and I
1: should see weak. that flow through uh, to on the next, of energy that's being used, right?
2: On your next electricity bill. Yeah, I mean, it's like this: yeah. you put them in, and the next one, you're good.
1: So, makes a ton of sense. Common areas. How, how are we just being smarter, right? So, LED technology, uh, motion sensors, obviously makes a ton of sense. Um, so that. So electricity-wise, how about on on exteriors of of buildings? I mean, kind of same concepts, or what are you guys seeing out there?
2: Yeah, so the exterior, it's... So New York City, a lot of buildings, there was huge... I'm sure that it's the same everywhere in the nation, but our market is primarily in New York. Mm -hmm. So all of these large apartment buildings, the local laws for repairing and inspecting the facades they have been in place in New York City for the last about 20 years. So every five years buildings have to inspect and repair their facades. Um, so that's done on a continuous basis. And there are similar laws in other states. But the roof might very well be from when the building was built in 1910, 1930, or 1950s, there was a huge building boom back then too. And those roofs are old and they've been patched many times and repaired but they're they don't have the right insulation to to adhere to current Mm -hmm. uh, energy codes Mm -hmm. but they're still i mean they're there so they don't have to replace them but in many cases they should be replaced and not only for energy efficiency but also that we There's so many times when we get phone calls from people, board members or owners who say "We've had leaks for the last ten years or since the day I moved in, or we always have leaks. And um, replacing the roof is a good way to get rid of r- leaks, but the parapet is a big one too. <laughs> a lot of times the leaks are not actually from the roofs or from the parapets. Mm-hmm. and that's a m- much larger project as you.
1: So if you're, so just as far as kind of exterior um, is the idea, so roof, but even insulation, it sounds like, so is yes, you know, roof
2: roof insulation, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's going to help, you know, again, with with your heating bills, which is driving a lot of it. What are some other, what are some other things that we should be looking at on, on our properties?
2: Windows. But windows are very expensive. I mean, Mm -hmm. replacing windows is an expensive endeavor. Um, Reducing how much energy you're using in the building is there are building management systems where the boiler goes on based on the temperature, not outside. The old-fashioned way was that you you said, okay, if it's 50-something degrees outside and the boiler had to go on, but nowadays, it's more sophisticated, again, with sensors. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, build, a good ma- building management system has sensors inside apartments, a few apartments not all of them. And then it's regu- the boiler is regulated based on the inside temperature as opposed to the outside temperature.
1: Gotcha. Is that something you can do wirelessly? Can you put sensors yep. wirelessly in, in different apartments and yep. have it kind of triangulate off of? several yeah. properties to know when they're on.
2: Yes. And That's a good is-
1: one. We actually have a yeah. property that has a, has a boiler in it and it's, uh, it's got a central uh, thermostat right now. And so we've seen some, we've seen, you know, one person's unit is, is 80 degrees. The other person's got a 60. So that would be good for us to look into some of these wireless sensors.
2: Yes. And sensors have become much more sophisticated over the last few years. I mean, there's huge uh, improvements in that area. So nowadays they have these wireless sensors where you don't actually need a wire,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I don't know a hundred percent the technology behind it, but yeah, you don't to have, have to network. plug it
1: in, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't yeah. need the wire. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's great. I mean, I mean, I could see because I mean, we we experienced that, you know, on a property that we took over. We've got, you know, like like you said, just from even from a tenant satisfaction standpoint, you don't want one person boiling and the other person freezing. So. I think that and, that's, uh,
2: and do you see that often in New York city? We see that all the time in the winter when it's really, really cold. We'll walk by buildings and we we'll see how many windows are cracked and we're like, yeah,
1: yeah." well, we do. yeah, we happen to have one. We only have one property uh, that has a boiler. Uh, but we, we have, we just took it over a few months ago and that's been, uh, one of the, one of the primary complaints because the, the old owner just had a, a single thermostat in, in the unit that was, um, the furthest from the boiler so everybody in, in line in between is kind of getting roasted so I, th- I think that could be a, a way to try to um, try to level that out a little bit at least it's a good idea so these sensors basically I think in general if you have central centralized heating with a boiler or something being able to have these sensors heat sensors in units to, to not just base it off of like you said external temperature or even, Even just where the boiler is located or something, you know, base it off of a few different, uh,
3: a few apartments.
2: Yes. But a longer term better alternative is to electrify the building and get rid of the boiler altogether.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: Do you see a lot of people when they do that just leveraging like baseboard heating?
2: uh, I mean, that's a possible, that's an option but typically but then it's only for the heat Mm -hmm. so you want them to be able to replace their air conditions as well as their heat because the air conditions in reality are the biggest energy users
3: Mm.
2: so what's the most
1: efficient way to do that
2: so yeah there are a few different ways to do it and one way is so the air conditions if they're local air conditions not paid for by the building but the individual unit owners so Mm -hmm. let's say that you have an air i'm looking here because my window is here so you have an air condition through the window or through the wall and the electricity is hooked up to the apartment owner or renters own electricity bill but it's still using a lot of energy so the building is not very energy efficient if you Mm -hmm. go to energy star the building probably doesn't have very good energy star ratings. So you can replace that air condition and a heating system with a heat pump. It's more complicated. I mean, you have to find a location. Do you put one central heat pump? One unit has to be outside and I'm pointing towards the roof because you Mm -hmm. put it on the roof. Mm -hmm. and then you have the units that go through so there's a lot of wiring i mean there's a lot of retrofitting with it and it's a big expense but it's in many cases it's a great alternative and that space is also becoming more and more efficient but i mean in europe it's the main heating and air condition um heat pumps is what they've been using for decades there. And that's they're, what they're using for the most part. Whereas here, I read some statistic the other day where less than 3% of New York state uses heat pumps.
3: Yeah.
1: I don't yeah, know what I, it I is mean, in your era. We've had, yeah. And we've replaced a few heat pumps on, on properties. I know they can, I know that they can be pricey. Um, but I mean, long-term, does the economics work out? Is Is it worth it in the long-term? Or, or is it more just, is it more an environmental play?
2: And it's also a comfort play. So does the economics work out? I would think so. Yeah. But it is expensive. So the payback period is long.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But for instance, in New York, in New York City, they passed a green law in 2019 where they're gonna fine all buildings, not only multifamily, all buildings, including commercial and smaller and walk-ups, etc. They're going to, or over 24,000 square feet, 25,000 square feet, it is actually. They're going to find them hundreds of thousands of dollars per year if they do not meet a certain energy star score. Wow. Yes, which really accelerates. And the fines are starting in 2024, but we're not seeing that many buildings being fined out, but in 2030. 80% 80% of buildings, if they do nothing now, they mm-hmm. will get huge fines. And then it's going to escalate because New York City's goal is to is to go carbon neutral by 2050. Wow.
3: Wow.
1: So yeah, so so some government regulation that's kind of creating incentives to, to do some of these things as well, which may, may start in New York. We, we may see that spread. Um, some and it, you, you never know so i think good to have the information
2: yeah and that would not surprise me i mean traditionally california has to be been the most energy proactive state
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: but in this particular case new york was the first one is my understanding
1: sure sure mm-hmm. gotcha okay so we we kind of hit on we hit on lights that that kind of seems like a no-brainer i think as you get into some of the hvac or the heating and cooling um, there's opportunities there, but, but maybe, um, maybe not as easily implemented, right? Maybe, uh, more of a capital expense. What about uh, talking about water? What about wa- water conservation?
2: Water conservation is a very big portion. And think about it. So most of the water, yes, is used for cold water because the toilet is actually the biggest water user. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to hot water which the shower and faucets and the shower primarily or bathtubs they use the most hot water so there's the cold water and the hot water so for cold water you only have the cost of water when it comes to the hot water you have both the cost of water and the cost of heating that water Mm -hmm. so um it used to be and i don't know Yeah, no, the standard prior to 1990, I believe, the standard toilet size was over three and a half gallons for one flush. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, there are toilets out there that are um, 0.8 gallons per flush, and they are typically so there are two items that are really good about these toilets. I mean, think about it. And it's one for one. So you take 3.5 toilet gallons per flush toilet and you 0.8. So it's 75% savings or 80%. Yep. So here is that. And then according to the EPA, 6% of water use comes from leaks. And in many cases, those or a very big portion of that leaks come from the toilet flapper yep which apparently you're supposed to change all the time
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've experienced that on on property as well where we've had you know water bills two three times what we expected and turns out it's, it's a simple toilet leak that uh, the the tenant never uh never reported. reported you know maybe the toilet was leaking for three weeks you know just running yeah. the whole yeah. time and so yeah, yeah. It, it's uh it, it amazed me how, how much of an impact a leaky toilet can have on your water bill.
2: I know. Yeah. I, and we see that all the time too. And then the, but the new toilets, they, they do not have a flapper mm-hmm. and a lot of people, we get a lot of people say, Oh, I don't want less of a flush. Then I have to flush twice. Nowadays, they're vacuum assist. hmm so again, the technology has really improved to make um, the toilets much more efficient.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: And the same, same for showers. You have the aerator that can go with the new shower heads. They reduce water use substantially by up to 50%. And the aerators that you can put in, and you don't have to change the design Mm-hmm. Of your actual kitchen or bathroom faucets, you can install this aerator together with your existing faucet. Gotcha. And that's another that's another great way to save money too.
1: So it sounds like bo- both both um, you know from an, from an electricity standpoint and from a water standpoint. I mean, if you were to switch out kind of original fixtures in, in both senses with new modern you could be decreasing, you know, anywhere from 50 to kind of 75% usage for both mm-hmm. electricity and power. It sounds like, or electricity yeah. and water. It sounds like.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and heating. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Right. And so I mean, it's, it seems like obviously, um, yeah, you know, seems, seems like obviously the way to go. I mean, kind of why why wouldn't you do that? Are there any downsides that, that we need to be aware of or any kind of gotchas that people may not think about in doing these programs?
2: No. I mean, it's really as simple as you install it and you will see the savings. The biggest resistance is that people don't or boards at least they don't want to spend the money and I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's the same for property mm-hmm. multifamily property owners that it's-
1: yeah I mean everything's got to be uh, everything's gotta you've got to play your budget into every decision right so, so I guess that, that's a good point like what is the turnaround or or payoff time kind of payback time you see on on some of these initiatives
2: so when it comes to the electricity in the common areas, basement, and hallways, uh, the payback period is very, very often as low as two, two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it comes to the heating plant, it's six plus years. Okay. And water is also, some of the water measurements are also very uh, short, uh, a shorter period
3: yeah.
2: depending on, but it depends on your situation. Okay, so do you have 1.78 gallons of toilets, or do you have 3.5, or do you right. even have five? <laughs> I saw right. a 5.5 From gallon toilet months. the other day. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: just dumping buckets down there.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I so, mean, it depends. We don't know until we look at it. too.
1: sure, but it sounds like significant savings. I mean, if you think about Absolutely. you know water bills at a property, I mean, it's it's you know, multiple tens of thousands of dollars uh, for utilities, I mean, for the properties mm-hmm. that uh, the size that, that we're running, you know, yearly. And and so if you think about it, if you could cut 80% or even 50% off of that, I mean, that's a savings. And maybe you're saying, well, you know, we're not worried about that, because we're we have a rubs program where we're billing back uh, utilities to our tenants. Um, I guess my, my argument would say, Well, I think that's marketing. I I think I think it's a marketing opportunity to to tell people, well, you know, if you move here, your your water bill or electricity bill, utilities are going to be half the price that a competing property. Um, and you're able to pass that savings, you know, back on, back on to the tenants. And I think, you know, that there may be an opportunity to to make that um, you know, to increase revenue in other areas because you're you're not financially burdened them so much because of utilities. So I think if you think broader about it, I think you can make it you can make it make economic sense as well as environmental sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. And just because you pass it on to someone else doesn't mean that it's, I mean, and if you don't pass it on to them, then you should be able to, then property values are going to increase or they they can pay more in rent because now they're not paying it to right. Con Edison or PG&E or Illinois, whatever they're right. called there.
1: Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, and that's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Cause I know a lot of people, most operators nowadays, you know, the tenants pay, have the tenants pay the utilities. So mm-hmm. I think mean, I've heard that pushback on sometimes on these type of initiatives of, well, you know, we don't pay for them anyway. But I, I think the responsible thing to do, you put it in place, you pass those, those savings on. And, um, you know, I think you can see value there. I, I think as people are weighing their budgets, they've got to say, okay, where, you know, there always has to be that return on your investment, right? So of course. I, think, I think thinking more broadly about that, you know, you, people can still see the value here, because I think clearly there is. Um, and I think when you think about common areas, that's a no brainer. I mean, the the landlord is, is always paying the common areas, you know, when you talk mm-hmm. about LED lights, I mean, that's something that we do on all of our properties. That's a really simple fix, you know, and 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 some of the, the toilets and things we do more as a uh, as we replace, we always replace with a, yes. a newer, better product. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's um, you know, th- there's obviously a lot to be done. I mean, a lot of apartment buildings that were built in sixty. I mean, where we are is 60s and 70s uh, okay. and then into the 80s. In New York, obviously, it's a little older. But even back in those times, I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to come in with these different conservation initiatives.
2: Yeah, I mean, 60s and 70s, it's still, I mean, the elevator mm-hmm. is old, the roof is old, facade is old. And like so, what are some? <laughs> yeah, Sorry, they
1: are uh, no. So, are, is there anything, anything else that we haven't covered in any other ways or things to focus on?
2: Well, another thing that we're doing in New York is developing the rooftops. I don't know how it is in your area. Um, well,
1: most of ours are pitched, mostly pitched oh, roofs. Um, oh,
2: they are. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, a little
1: bit different than New York, you know. Uh, well, then you we, can
2: put solar panels on them.
1: Yeah. So, so solar is another opportunity. I mean, how have you seen solar develop? Have you, have you seen many applications for that?
2: No. So one of the problems with solar, I mean, there's not a problem with solar, but the problems with solar in high rises. Mm -hmm. So if it's a building that's only six stories tall, maybe then You have generally more area, more roof area to install so that the solar that you can fit on a roof will cover a larger portion of the electricity, Mm -hmm. whereas as in a 20 story building the roof compared to how many units yeah, is very still small, so much
3: roof, right? Yeah.
2: So, but, so one of the buildings that we did install solar on and we actually, have you seen those very cool water towers that we have in New York city? I don't know if you have mm-hmm. them in your Yeah. So we actually install a, a solar panel on the water tower on the side, on the South side of the water tower, mm-hmm. and then it's slanted out and it actually, um, is built out to have to be the shading area for the roof for the roof garden so that people mm. can sit in a shady area mm-hmm. and the whole solar uh, system or not system but uh, panels they cover 25% of the common area electricity so not 100% but yeah. 25% is better than nothing And it's just really cool. And it's my understanding. It's that it's the only New York City building that has the solar panels on the water tower, which is very cool. Interesting.
1: Very interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, solar is something that I guess I've I've heard traditionally has been kind of price, again, prohibitive. I, I imagine that's come down. A good amount but yeah it's something i think an application on on a property especially a, a larger garden style multifamily where you have a lot of roof right you got maybe a two-story building with a lot of roof there could be a you know maybe an application there
2: and now we have tesla Making roofs and solar panels all in one. Have you seen those?
1: I, I have. I have seen those. I have seen those. Uh. Yeah, that could be interesting too. So I, I think I mean the good news is there's a lot of opportunities to think creatively about how to save uh, both the environment and and some of your either yourself or your residents uh, you know pocket change. Um, it seems like we can hit it from kind of you know all these different angles. Uh, some are quick hits. Some are, are will take a little longer, but um i think if you're if you're looking at it from a value add renovation you know definitely looking at leds looking at the heating systems that are being used looking at the toilets and the faucets and the water um and then if you're if you're looking at new development i mean i think that really opens things up to type of material you're using type of insulation you're using um you know, even the type of roofs you use right different things so a lot of different ways to to approach this tina um, yeah as we start to wrap wrap things up it, any, anything else that our, our viewers or our listeners should know?
2: What should I know? Well, they can connect with me on LinkedIn because I've been super active on LinkedIn. I give away okay. lots of free tips uh, for multifamily um, owners, operators, and co-op and condo boards. My LinkedIn uh, URL is Tina Larson. That's one R, two S's, I guess someone else took Tina Larson. <laughs> uh, our website is uh, thefolsongroup.com. And on our website, we have a free tools page where you can download free tools when it comes to energy efficiency, facade repairs, and just some great board practices.
3: Okay.
1: Well, and
2: great. yeah, and that's it.
1: Well, good. Well, uh, before I let you go, I do have a few more questions I want to ask. I, I want to take yes. you through our keys to success round. And there's four questions I want to ask you. We ask every guest. First okay. one is um, you know, just take the first thing that, that comes to your head. If a lot of our listeners are investors themselves, they're investing, you know, with other folks. And so if you were going to invest your money with, with someone else, uh, you know, in a deal that, that they had, and you could only ask them one question, what, what's the one question that you would ask them?
2: And their end goal. So that I would know if our values align with their values.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Very good. What are you most proud of in your career?
2: Most proud? um, What am I most proud of? (laughs) I I should have listened to these questions, looked at these questions beforehand. (laughs) Uh, What am I most proud of? I am most proud of... um, continuing to grow and develop um as a person and um and of my network i have an amazing network that are so supportive of me and i am very involved in my network
1: awesome what is a book that everybody should
3: read
2: that is and i know that some people love it and some people hate it the 10 times rule have you seen? No, it's the 10 time rule, I guess it's called uh, with Grant Cardone.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah.
2: Have you read it? I have not. I have oh, it's good. But, uh, it's very intense. He's very yeah. intense. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, he's a he's a fantastic motivator. And so yes, it's sure a great one to check out. And uh, lastly, what is your number one key to success?
2: My number one key is um, that I don't accept status quo. And I am passionate about making every single building in New York City greener, more sustainable, and more affordable.
1: Awesome. Well, it sounds like you got your work ahead of you with uh, those regulations that are, that are coming down and those fines. So Sounds like, um, you know, you'll have no shortage of clients beating down your door to, to get you to help them with that. But I appreciate you you sharing some of the knowledge you've learned in New York uh, with some of the folks in other parts of the country. You know I think lessons that we can learn, um, things to get ahead of. And, uh, you know, I know that we have have your info and your website and your LinkedIn. We'll make sure all that's listed below so that folks can, can reach out to you, Tina. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing so much knowledge today. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope you have a great rest of the day.
2: Thank you, Kent. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.
1: Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate.
3: Now go out and invest like a pro.